0: This is a Rooster Teeth Production. May 29, 1914. The RMS Empress of Ireland had set sail from Quebec to Liverpool with more than 1,000 passengers on board. Two years after the Titanic disaster, the Empress and other ocean liners had been outfitted with a number of safety measures to ensure that such a catastrophe would never happen again. It didn't work. The Empress of Ireland would be involved in a horrific shipwreck, this one nearly as devastating as the Titanic. Yet, for a number of reasons, the Empress of Ireland's story hasn't been as widely told as the Titanic's. Until now, baby. I'm Charlotte. I'm Patrick. I'm Brian. Ahoy and welcome aboard Ship Hits
1: the Fan, a podcast about some of history's most notable uh uh-ohs and whoopsies on the high seas. I'll keep it brief this time and just say this. Canada cannot catch a break this season.
0: That's pretty much what I have to say. See what happened to the Toronto Maple Leafs?
2: (laughs) (laughs) How about those Oilers? I think they're still doing it. How
1: about them? Uh, Also, I want to say most of our episodes deal with death in some fashion, but there's a couple like harrowing first person accounts in this story. It's been a long time, but, you know, figured I'd give you a heads up.
0: Yeah. And uh, while you're here, you know, do the usual, the rate, the review that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Uh, follow us on social ship hits pod. And uh, we got some merch. We got a we hoodie merch. and a shirt. Go check that out.
1: The Twitter account is is just about at 2750. I think we could get to 3K reasonably. That's and, it. It's all part of the plan to get to a mill. <laughs>
2: so long season three. Yeah. We are not making
1: it.
0: I have more followers than that. And I've tweeted four times in my life. <laughs> and they're all pretty good oh yeah
1: they're all following for that profile picture baby oh yeah but but yes please review the show please rate the show uh please follow the show download the show love the show respect the show <laughs> live it tell a friend <laughs> make it mom. part
2: of your identity make <laughs> yeah. liking this show part of your identity an yes. inseparable part yes. yes
1: yes i want heavy tribalism around ship
2: hits the fan <laughs> oh you know, If somebody says anything negative about us, you are not their friend
0: anymore. And if someone says anything positive about another podcast, you should jump in there and really obnoxiously (laughs) tell them to go listen (laughs) to this one instead.
1: (laughs) No. However, though, if you know, if things get a little hairy for you, we will not be there for you. No, we're going to deny. <laughs> we do not endorse deny
0: everything.
2: any of your actions. Yeah. You don't have any patches on your uniform. You're going in there. And if you get captured, it's not, we're not going to come get you. No, no, no. An independent operator. <laughs> this is real black <laughs> <Right>. ops
0: stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the Empress of Ireland is one of two ocean liners, along with the Empress of Britain that were built in Glasgow, Scotland, by the Fairfield Shipbuilding Company. They were originally planned to be named Empress of Germany and Empress of Austria, but a policy was implemented by the company that Empress named ships had to be named after a dependency or colony of the British Empire. Very weird policy, but you know, imperialism is one hell of a drug. And I'm, Charlotte likes imperialism.
1: Yeah, I'm know. I'm actually the a big big fan. Yeah, I like colonialism and mm-hmm. th- that's my identity. That's your thing. That's my thing. Yeah. yeah.
2: I'm sure the Irish
1: loved this ship. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm sure oh, yeah. They absolutely yeah, dug it. Yep. Guys, look. It's <laughs> it's yours. It's not, but like, it's yours.
0: Yeah.
2: Sean, what's that in the distance? <laughs> oh no. It's the impression. Finbar, come look. <laughs> Doesn't it make you feel proud?
0: <laughs> Both ships were owned by the Canadian Pacific Railway Company, which had decided to get into the business of transatlantic travel. The two ships each had a length of 570 feet, 65 feet wide with a depth of 36.7 feet, and both were powered by twin four-blade propellers. Twins?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah, let's go.
0: Each ship took their maiden voyages in 1906.
2: Yeah, they did.
0: (laughs) Both ships could make the 2,800-mile crossing between Liverpool and Quebec in about six days.
1: That's not bad. That's pretty
0: quick. Yeah. Yeah. Scholar James Kroll describes the two ships this way. The Empresses were handsome ships after the classic pattern of their age. Straight stem, sweeping counter stern, two high raking buff funnels with black tops and tall raking masts to match. They swiftly established a reputation not only for speed, but for their steady behavior in the worst Atlantic weather.
1: James Kroll has a bead of sweat going down his temple. He's shaking and gripping <laughs> the arms of his chair. He's like, God, it had <laughs> raking buff funnels with black tops and tall raking masts.
0: He loves it. Woo!
1: He needed to take a shower. Yeah, after mopping yeah, yeah. his
0: forehead. <laughs> the Empress of Ireland could carry around 1,550 passengers, about 300 in first class, 450 in second class, and more than 800 in third class. Like many other ships, after the Titanic disaster, the Empress had a number of new safety features to try and avoid a similar catastrophe. That always works. So, yeah, well, let's hope that this, these go better than uh, they did for the Chicago ship. I, I
1: can tell you it didn't. Oh, oh. Don't get those hopes up too yeah, high. Yeah, it, it, it didn't
0: cause it. Uh, yeah. It did not help very much. Okay. The ship had more lifeboats than necessary, 16 to be precise. Its watertight longitudinal bulkheads could be sealed manually in an emergency.
1: Yeah, don't get your hopes up about that either. God. Okay.
0: (laughs) What's more, the Empress's crew were also trained to respond to a crisis, and the ship was upgraded in 1912 with state-of-the-art life jackets and new steel lifeboats. More dangerous to me. Mm. Steel. But I'm sure they knew what they were doing. You know, I'm not a sailing man uh, by trade. Marine
1: steel. Steel.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sea Steel. Steal from Pittsburgh, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Thank God. Its main passengers were immigrants. By the time the ship sank, the Empress of Ireland was on her 96th transatlantic run and had brought a total of more than 100,000 immigrants from Liverpool to Quebec and nearly 70,000 from Quebec to Liverpool. The ship was very popular and known for having a blend of comfort, speed in travel, and affordability, especially for third class passengers.
1: Yeah, I was I was reading about this. They made like some some innovations in design to uh, increase like space and stuff. And they had they had a big sandbox below deck for the children.
0: And That's not true.
1: P- plenty of smoke. No, they did have a big sandbox. Wait, did they? Really? Yeah, no, they really did. Oh my god, they, they had a big sandbox for Hell the yeah.
2: for the kids with state of the art urine draining <laughs> technology.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that was specifically for third class children, but there was a big. In ship sandbox as well Great. as third class smoking rooms, pianos below deck. I think their innovation
2: too was that they didn't treat the third class passengers completely like garbage. Like
0: animals? Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah they tried to. I mean, there was still very much class divisions. Like you did not mix with like oh, the first no. class or the second class. But yeah, you weren't herded in like livestock and
0: know? then locked in when the ship sinks. Right.
1: No, it was. Yeah. It was a. Uh, I mean, it was it was a smart policy. I mean, uh, Kroll, our pal, uh, talks about it a bit soon.
0: Yeah, he said of the ship, the Empress never aspired to the standards of ostentatious luxury that were the mark of the gigantic super ships competing for the rich New York market, but they did establish an unchallenged reputation for something that early 20th century travelers understood and appreciated, namely solid comfort. In fact, the Canadian Pacific Railway Company made a specific effort to make their third-class passengers as comfortable as possible, considering they made up a majority of the passengers. Huh. (laughs) Yeah. Kroll wrote that enlightened shipping companies had realized that the migrant who is decently looked after on his lonely and often penniless pilgrimage in search of a better life was likely to be a repeat purchaser in second or even first class when one day he returned home to show the old folks how well he had done. I
1: mean... Yeah, it's sound reasoning. I, I wish that that carried through to... Uh, You're
0: not going to believe it. I made $5 last year. They had a whole... It's a paradise. Whole, <laughs> they had a whole sandbox. I only had one arm torn off.
2: Oh, no. Oh, God. This was the 1914 equivalent of building up the middle class. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of good that's done. I wish that that like, uh, idea would translate to air travel, where oh now you God. get six first-class people Travelers that are treated pretty well, and then the rest are livestock. <laughs> yeah, to be crammed into like the lower the than too. dirt. Yeah, just... yeah. It's like you don't get to move your legs, and you it's every airline get, now. You get a you get a cookie.
0: Yeah,
1: oh, a biscuit. I actually really like
0: the biscuit. Let's talk to let's get let's talk to Gus about that. Let's talk to Gus about All that. Right. Let's well, talk to, not yeah. Chris. And,
2: and if your no. knees touch the seat in front of you, you will be detained. Oh,
1: hundred percent. A woman put down you my seat accidentally. She tried to lean back while I was
0: resting next to her, and she rocked my entire seat back. <laughs> this no. isn't a plane. This isn't a plane podcast. Oh, then we okay? crashed. Oh, okay, into the ocean. The captain of the Empress was Henry George Kendall, who by this point had decades of experience, starting when he was fourteen. <gasps> Boy, presumably captain. not as a captain, but <laughs> I guess you never know in this. In this time. They
2: promoted him quick back then. Yeah, he was probably yeah. out
0: of college by then. I mean, then. he was I mean, middle-aged yeah. at this point. Yeah, and Well, you yeah, were dead totally. by 40, so. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I guess early 1900s was a little different than the Middle Ages.
0: I guess. He had become a bit of a celebrity years earlier when he was captain of the SS Montrose. During one trip, Kendall recognized the murderer, Holly Harvey Crippen, on board his ship, who we will touch on later. Crippen was a fugitive from London, and Kendall used his ship's wireless radio to notify authorities. Yeah, that sounds up. like a murderer. The the honorable Holly mention, Harvey Crippen.
1: The yes, he was a homeopathic doctor. Oh, good. The honorable mention today is a ride. It would be an. It's definitely the a full episode for a different podcast. Yeah, sure. He was a
2: homeopathic doctor.
1: Yeah, he he had a, like a degree in the US but had no credentials to practice in the United Kingdom. He
2: got so many yoga moms killed. Oh, he I'm is sure. a murderer.
0: <laughs> Kendall had been appointed captain of the Empress just a few weeks before her final voyage, but by all accounts, he was completely trusted by the crew and passengers. The Empress of Ireland left Quebec City for Liverpool on May 28, 1914, at 4:27 p.m. The ship was headed down the St. Lawrence River, which would eventually empty into the Atlantic Ocean. In addition to 420 crew, Uh, (laughs)
2: yeah. Oh, no wonder it crashed.
0: (laughs) There were 1,057 passengers on board, which included the famous actors, Lawrence Irving and his wife, Mabel Hackney, who had just finished up a tour of North America.
1: An acting tour.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The politician and sports writer, Sir Henry Seton Carr, was also aboard the Empress. There were also 167 members of the Salvation Army band who were heading to London for a conference. Can you make a
2: band out of just bells? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know.
0: A sports writer at this time is writing about like... Polo. It's like, well, I was going to say dog fights and fox tossing. I guess
1: it depends where you're
0: based. This is a totally... Dumb aside, but have you heard of fox? Fox tossing was like a, it was like a British sport for the upper class where they would just grab a fox and throw it into the air as high as they could. And if it died, you won. That's, that's, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So. This was
2: probably before 1900s, but I just picture this guy like writing about like, I witnessed the finest bull baiting I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That dog <laughs> held the bull immobile until he was finally gored to death after nine and a half minutes. These, <laughs>
0: unbelievable stuff.
1: These kind, of, these kind of sports encapsulate the same part of the human spirit that crashed two trains together. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Well, we're bored. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a fox.
0: Let's see We've what we can do with ch- it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, just putting together his first draft. Yeah, I Stop keep smashing, touching smashing it. I keep smashing the mic. It's so funny.
2: Just that idea that, like, everything in nature is there to serve you and is there for your enjoyment. It's like me and Minecraft, I guess. I don't, but that's how they treated the entire planet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you
1: can't eat it, you can toss it. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, heading the opposite direction into Quebec was the SS Storstad, a cargo ship that transported coal back and forth from Britain and Canada. Her captain was Thomas Anderson,
1: Mr. Had, Anderson, yes,
0: who had been with the ship since it was first commissioned in 1911. The storestead was massive, at 440 feet long and 58 feet wide. At the time, it was carrying 11,000 tons of coal.
2: And these things are like sit low in the water. It is like oh, yeah. just a big, heavy, low battering ram.
1: <laughs> yep. Well, I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. The, oh i just remembered what our podcast is. <laughs> yeah
0: at the time of the wreck on the night of may 28th captain anderson had retired for the night and the first officer alfred Toff tennis was in charge of the bridge as the storstad headed up the saint lawrence river toward quebec
1: mr Toff tennis all right
0: <laughs> meanwhile the empress was traveling downstream as we said headed for liverpool in the uk by all accounts it was a routine evening the Empress's passengers had been served dinner, and most were asleep in their rooms by 10 p.m. Sometime after midnight, the Empress reached pointe Au pere where they dropped off the pilot who had navigated the ship down the St. Lawrence River. pointe Au pere is a notable district in Quebec, located at the mouth of the river. It had a recently constructed lighthouse. After dropping off the pilot, the Empress continued on. And then the store stat appeared. Mm. At 1.38 a.m. on May 29th, the Empress's lookout spotted the mast of the Storstad's headlight. What happened after that point is still not known because accounts from the two captains differ. The two vessels continued to head toward one another and just a few minutes later, at around 1.47 a.m., a thick fog blanketed the river which hid the ships from each other. Oof.
1: Yeah. Setting us up for... <sighs> not a good situation.
0: Yeah. Both ships used their fog whistles to alert each other, but the fog was too thick and there was a misunderstanding between the two captains about their respective boats positioning. Oh yeah. God, it's going to be terrifying.
2: It seems like such an easy fix, but I don't know the answer. I mean, I don't like, uh,
0: yeah. Well, yeah. Now I assume you'd have like radios.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: Back then you're kind of just like, just blow the horn and hope that they figure (laughs) out where you are. Get our
2: loudest shouter to the deck. <laughs> He's asleep, sir. And very hoarse. Oh no! We're we're in trouble.
0: The last time Toft had seen the Empress, she was on the port side of the storestead, and the fog had distorted where the blast had come. Also you're on water where sound travels. <laughs> yes. Like, I-
1: It's very, it can be
0: very difficult to tell where something is if you're like in the middle of a, like sometimes you'll be, if, if you're ever like on a boat in the middle of a lake or whatever, there are times where you can just hear very clear conversations from the shore that are way too far away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like it's.
1: You're from the land of a thousand lakes. 10,000. I think it's just 1,000. 10,000. No, I think it's just And there's actually more than that in reality. Well, there's more than that. There is. Yeah. Okay. Well that sounds gorgeous and I would like to see it.
2: Honey, are you happy we had Patrick? I guess so. Mom! Jesus, I can hear you. <laughs> Shut up.
0: <laughs> yeah, they put you out on a boat. <laughs> yeah, they set me adrift like Moses.
2: I just wish we'd stopped it too, that's all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, I was the first, so that doesn't make any, you don't know what you're talking. You sound like crazy right now.
2: Well, this bit, this bit fell apart under question. He
0: grew, <laughs> he grew
1: so quickly. He was a five foot three year old.
0: That's right. Yeah. And then I stopped at yeah, five. Yeah, stopped pretty much.
2: Most kids just didn't have a mustache by pre-K. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so yeah, I was unaware of this, but. Water droplets suspended in fog can disperse the energy of sounds and damp the sound waves themselves.
1: Yeah, it just hits I mean it makes sense. It hits the fog, but like it just kind of like messes with where it's coming from and how yeah. it sounds. I, yeah. I I didn't know that. Although, in warm weather, agitated droplets can sometimes lead to further spread. So
0: Yeah, whatever. We can get that. Uh, <laughs> no, no. I was reading an it article stays.
1: yesterday. It was very interesting. It was about water droplets.
0: So basically just all around terrible circumstances in every way. Toftanus ordered the Storstad to change course to starboard to avoid the possibility of hitting the Empress. Unfortunately, it did not work. Once the ships came out of the fog, it turned out that the Storstad was on an unavoidable course to hit the broadside of the Empress. The Storstad hit the Empress of Ireland's starboard side, tearing a 350 square foot hole in her hull.
1: Dang. Oh my God. Yeah. God.
0: Yeah. Again, just two buildings uh, floating towards each other.
2: Gotta hurt the big fella. And there's a picture you can see of the Storstad, and its front end is just crunched. I mean, it, you know, it, it was impacted too. Not as bad, obviously, as the Empress, but it, you can just tell, like, it did some damage.
0: Yeah. While the Storstad remained afloat, the Empress of Ireland was severely damaged. It's not the first time a miscommunication resulted in a catastrophe on this show. The Doña Paz and the Mont Blanc, for example, both come to mind. Those were both collisions that, yeah.
1: Yeah. Disastrous uh, collisions. In some cases, like the Doña Paz, like, could have been avoided from so far away. Just so many miscommunications.
0: Yeah. Water started pouring through the gaping hole in the Empress. Captain Kendall shouted to the crew of the store with a megaphone to keep her engines at full power and plug the hole. Smart.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: But... The St. Lawrence's strong current shoved the storestead away from the crash and the separation caused 60,000 gallons of water to pour into the of Ireland. Oh my God. Yeah.
1: 350 square foot hole. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's not much you can really do to plug that up. There's no boat there. And
1: it's not yeah. plugging.
0: Right, yeah. God. Passenger Alice Bales, who was 21, later said, I was traveling second class with three others in my cabin. I was sure something was wrong when the blow occurred. When I heard the vessel's siren blowing, I jumped up in my bunk, took a life belt from the rack over me, and threw the others to the girls. They did not want them at first. I was serious and made them put them on, and as a result, they are saved.
1: Really impressive.
0: Yeah, you don't want to be the person who's like, let's just wait and see what happens.
1: Just shoving her away. Just grab the life vest.
0: Yeah, just grab the life vest and go to the deck.
1: Alice, go away. (laughs) Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, I feel like the ones
2: who get out of these things are the ones who are immediately like, nope, we're going. Up, yeah. Yeah. let's go. Yeah,
0: literally every move. time. I yeah. mean, I think even someone on the Danya Paz, it was like, they just literally like, off. it crashed and they were in the water in a yes. heartbeat. yeah. And they were one of the very, one of the like 27 people who lived or whatever it I was. mean,
1: like, I just can't imagine, whatever the sound is, like the impact of, of that collision tearing a 350 foot hole in yeah. the side of your ship, like that, the blow must have been incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how you don't hear that and go just full fight or flight, or, or and how you yeah, how you would know. not go full fight or flight. Yeah, I've heard like
2: minor car crashes and they're pretty loud, and this is like however many times larger.
1: Thunderous. Uh-huh. You're
2: on board the ship. Ooh, it must feel like
1: yeah. an
0: earthquake.
1: There were a couple cars that crashed into each other and hit a hydrant on my corner, and that was like. Two and a half hours of entertainment. Everyone I mean, was fine. It's the worst
0: noise in the world. Yeah, it's crash. it's really bad. It's horrible.
1: But everyone was okay, and I got to go down and watch. And there was water spraying everywhere, and it flooded. My oh, that's street. fun. Yeah, it was it yeah. was like it was really a good time.
0: And I'm I'm looking right now at kind of an illustration of the crash, and it looks like the St. Lawrence is about thirty miles across. So this is like a very wide.
1: I mean, yeah, relatively river. like narrow, it is a though. river. Oh, 30 miles, so that is, that's pretty big.
0: That's for p- that's a river. It's pretty wide, yeah, you're yeah.
1: right. I thought about it a little bit more and I've decided it's a, a huge amount of uh, water.
2: I decided they were right to drown.
0: The Empress lurched heavily to its starboard side and there wasn't time to shut the ship's watertight doors, which remember, could only be operated manually. Oof. Yep. there it is. Water poured through open portholes. Passageways and cabins were quickly inundated, Most of the passengers and crew located in the lower decks drowned quickly.
1: Ugh, so much for that third class Mm -hmm. uh, prestige.
0: Those staying in the upper decks were awakened by the collision and some boarded lifeboats on the boat deck. But in just a few minutes, the Empress's list was so severe that the port lifeboats could not be launched. Yet another familiar concept on this show. Looking at you, Oceanos. Meanwhile, many of the starboard lifeboats were already immersed in the water or had slid off the ship's deck. In all, five starboard boats were launched successfully, a sixth capsizing while it was being lowered. Mm. There had been, again, 16 on board, plus 26 collapsible wooden boats. So,
1: Yeah, I don't know if those were launched at all. I don't
0: know if the there's there's any time. I don't yeah. know if they're time-consuming to set up. But I think it takes it does take some time. It's not like an inflatable raft. It's it's like collapsible. It's kind of portable, but you still have to like Yeah, certainly. Yeah. And so I can't imagine them being too much use. Mm-hmm. Things got worse very quickly. Power on the Empress went out after about 5 or 6 minutes and the ship plunged into darkness. What's worse, the Empress's watertight bulkheads, which were state of the art at the time, were useless because they needed to be closed manually. Oh my god. So it's yeah, you have all this new technology and safety precautions but in this situation it does not matter it does not help at all
1: yeah sometimes you just don't know how well precautions are going to work until you are in a real life
0: scenario and if you look it's like a 350 foot kind of horizontal hole in the side so it's like yeah there's Mm -hmm. no there's nothing to be done here So about 10 minutes after the crash, the ship lurched violently onto its starboard side, coming to a temporary rest. Passengers and crew crawled out of portholes onto the ship's port side. It seemed like the Empress had run aground, but just a few minutes later, around 2.10 a.m., just 14 minutes after the collision, the Empress's bow rose briefly out of the water and then the entire vessel sank. Yeah, hundreds of people were thrown into the water. Bales later recounted her own harrowing ordeal. How I got into the water, I do not know. I was getting away from the swarm of people who were around the ship when a big man, wounded in the head, approached and clung to me. I was trying to shake him off, for he was pulling me down when I saw his head fall forward. I knew he was dead. He drifted away and disappeared. I do not know who it was. It was horrible. Oh, yeah.
1: That, that, is, that is one of the more haunting images. Mm-hmm. That That's one you don't get uh, over. Covered. Yeah. No.
0: Oh, God. The fact that he was still holding on. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm sure at that point you've got a severe head and you're just... Just the final You you have some autopilot stuff going on there, yeah. Mm. Bales managed to swim to safety. She said, When the boat sank, the suction took me down. I involuntarily began to paddle with my feet and came to the surface. Then I saw a man swimming. It was then quite light. I watched him, and though I cannot swim a stroke, I imitated his arm motions and found I got along a little. I was picked up. I, so she didn't even know how to. She, swim. Didn't know how to she swim. taught
2: herself how to swim in my the
0: God. moment. This is insane. Who I is mean, this woman? This, she's amazing, Alice Bales. <laughs> yeah,
1: she's number one in my book. She's the hero of the show. Well, maybe I mean just like maybe saved the best her friends. Instincts
0: in the world. <laughs> yeah,
1: involuntarily, my feet began yeah. to paddle. Like you want to talk about? You want to talk about autopilot? That's the human body being like. You don't know how
0: to do this. I do. Yeah. Let me get you yeah. to the surface. Just like... And then just seeing another guy swimming and oh, being like... Oh, that's weird. What's okay. that guy doing? I can do that.
1: Why want to put my arm up. Uh, yeah. Turn my head to the left and I... Oh.
0: Good lord. Wow. Amazing. Insane. Shouts
1: out. Shouts out, Alice.
0: Yeah. Big ups, Alice. Big ups to Miss Bale. Bales. Bales. The Storstad stayed afloat and its crews used the ship's lifeboats to pull survivors out of the water. Two steamers, owned by the Canadian government, picked up the Empress's emergency signals and were the first to arrive on the scene. One, the Eureka, rescued 150 people from the water. Captain Kendall was on the bridge of the Empress at the time of the collision and quickly ordered the lifeboats to be launched. But when the Empress of Ireland lurched onto her side, he was thrown into the water. When the ship began to sink, he was taken down with the current. He managed to resurface and clung to a wooden grate long enough for crew members aboard a nearby lifeboat to pull him in. Kendall took command of the small boat and began rescue operations. The lifeboat's crew successfully pulled many people from the water. When it was full, Kendall ordered them to drop off survivors at the Storstad. Upon first boarding the Storstad, Kendall reportedly stormed to the bridge and said to Captain Anderson, you have sunk my ship.
2: Mr.
1: Anderson, you <laughs> <Mr. laughs> have sunk my ship. Th- this is, I-, I say this. this puts Captain Kendall up there with, Sort of up there with Captain Lawrence of the Peter Iredell for me, with just like excellent one-liners. Same to so you. Same could be said about the captain of the Edmund Fitzgerald with like the final words. But oh, like yeah. in the middle of rescue efforts, being like, "Okay, hold on, just one sec. You guys go ahead and rescue more people. I have one thing I need to do. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go goes, talk to. I gotta go talk I, to I, someone. I gotta go see a man about a boat. <laughs> you just pointing up at the bridge and marching along and just God." Sir, you have sunk my ship. <laughs> <laughs> Slaps him across the face. <laughs> yeah. As he's
2: removing his glove while he's saying
1: Yeah. It. I mean, this is the worst night of his career, I would assume. Uh, yeah. And maybe life, uh, probably. And mm-hmm. so, like, yeah, he's probably pissed off. <laughs> yeah. he He also acted
2: how you would want a ship captain to act. Like, he got thrown off the ship, seemingly very legitimately, mm-hmm. managed to surface got got rescued and then immediately like took control again it was like he was the person in charge yeah like nope we're doing this yeah. all right now i gotta go slap the other captain all right back to
0: rescue. <laughs> yeah
1: i have to t- throw the gauntlet down
0: so as much as i'm sure that uh kendall would have loved to give anderson a stone cold stunner and beat the throw him overboard or whatever he yeah. he did not and he and the crew made a few more trips between storstead and the wreck site to search for more survivors each
1: time going back to the bridge <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey
0: <laughs> i still got a bone to pick with you but i
2: gotta go save more people in case you're hearing not so good son <laughs> <laughs> stone cold said you just sunk the ship <laughs>
0: <laughs> he got on board, crushed a beer.
2: <laughs> One of his crew members is throwing him to him.
0: Yeah, <laughs> keep him <them> coming.
1: <laughs> he, gra- <laughs> he grabs a folding chair on his way to the bridge. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Picks <laughs> up a ladder off the deck.
0: <laughs> I love riding bikes. Used to be my main mode of transportation, but look. There's limits, right? Sometimes you just got too far to go, your butt gets tired. That kind of stuff, you know? And maybe you've looked at electric bikes, but they're too expensive. Not anymore, finally. There is an e-bike made for everyone, electric e-bikes, and they start at just $799. They're the fastest growing e-bike company in the U.S., and it's easy to see why. Electric e-bikes are affordable, customizable, and ship-free, fully assembled. Plus, they quickly fold in half no bike rack or truck required i can confirm fit it in the back of my car so leave your car at home save on gas and save the planet when you explore and commute on electric bikes i've had my electric e-bike for a few days now and i love it there's a bike path outside my house i love taking it just to the store around to work anywhere super fun to ride look gas is expensive right now this is a great alternative. I don't wanna drive. I don't like driving, no one likes driving. I would much rather be biking. Like I said, I take it to the store, take it out on the weekends, whatever, you know, whatever, wherever I need to go. The electric e-bikes mission is simple. Make e-bikes accessible for everyone. They're surprisingly affordable. Like I said, they start at just $799. That is way less than the competition. They're adjustable and customizable, so they are comfortable even for people who don't normally ride bikes again, they fold up, ship-free, come pre-assembled and pre-charged. You will be on the road in no time. You just open the box, unfold it, you're good to go. It has really nice, big, thick tires. If you need to go over any terrain, snow, sand, whatever, they got you. You can go up to 45 miles at up to 28 miles per hour on just a four to six hour charge. Join the affordable e-bike revolution. Go to electricebikes.com and use code SHIPHITSTHEFAN to get a free Foldable, mountable bike lock with any bike purchase. That's a free bike lock when you use code SHIPHITSTHEFAN at L E C T R I C E B I K E S dot com, electricbikes dot com. One more time, electricbikes com. Use code SHIPHITSTHEFAN to get a free foldable, mountable bike lock with any bike purchase. <laughs> A number of other ships on the St. Lawrence, as well as people on shore, were also quick to respond with help, but due to how quickly and violently the Empress listed and sank, the death toll was astoundingly high. Mm. In all, more than 1,000 people perished. Of the 420 crew members, 248 survived, including Kendall. 217 passengers survived out of 840, and only four of the 138 children on board survived the sinking. God, how does that
2: probably pour? They probably got poor, sucked guessing, under.
0: Yeah. yeah, it was probably mostly, yeah, like third class immigrant.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: that, that's probably spent point.
2: every nickel they had on their tickets to get over, you yep. know. Ugh. Oh,
1: I also maybe, maybe a lot of them couldn't swim if they were especially young. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, like it's the I, boat I sucked so many was, people down. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, I read it was also pretty common at the time for people to not know how to swim.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that makes sense. Among them were the actor Lawrence Irving and his wife Mabel Hackney. The couple reportedly held on to each other as they jumped off the Empress, but both drowned. Damn it! Were these were these like theater actors? I would assume if they were
1: doing a tour, they m- might have been theater t- actors. I, mean, I don't
0: even at this time. I- I guess it would have to be, right? What year was this? Nineteen fourteen. Yeah. They were called dramatists, whatever that is.
2: Dramatists. Yeah. They so. They were good enough to have their own Wikipedia pages. So oh, they really? must have been fairly but yeah, and like you can see like they're 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 like eight by twelves or whatever. Oh yeah, and there it
0: is. These are these are like people who refer to acting as the craft.
2: One million percent. We're really yeah. into Shakespeare. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. The politician and sports writer that we mentioned earlier, Henry Seaton Carr, was last seen handing his life vest to another passenger and went down with the ship. All but eight of the 167 members of the Salvation Army band died. Oh yeah, what is musicians have such a bad like track record on ships?
1: No, they save the day. Except then
0: sometimes they also yeah. I guess it's just so extreme.
2: Put some respect on Moss Hills' name. Yeah. I'm going to guess those old timey bands, though. You know, your big instruments and stuff.
0: Yeah. They, they
1: weren't sleeping with sousaphones on. Well, <laughs> all right. <laughs> they, yeah, they sleep standing up.
2: But they wrap around you. You know, that's not floating. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, as deceiving as it may be, they are shaped like lifesavers uh, and flotation that's devices, true. but they, yep. they are made of brass. Yeah. <laughs> they will sing.
2: Not the most buoyant of metals.
1: I mean, maybe a clarinet would float. No. I don't think you could use it. To, it's made of wood. I, well, it would, it's not going to float you. That's what I was just saying before you oh, but so I got rudely interrupted first. me. You just said no. Oh. Interesting. Brian, bug your ears. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Earmuffs. <laughs> okay.
0: Historian Logan Marshall described the conditions of the dead who were brought to the nearby city of Rimouski. A glance at the corpses taken in a walk along the line revealed the story of the collision and the incidents following. Almost all bore marks of violence inflicted by contact with parts of the wrecked ship or in struggles in the water. (sighs) I mean, yeah, you're just in there. Everything is sharp. It's torn open.
2: Yeah, it got really graphic. I didn't include some, because it was just sort of, at some point, it's just sort of, I feel like inappropriate and disrespectful. But yeah, I think the point uh, that they were making was, He thinks a lot of these people just got knocked around the ship from all the listing, from the impact, and it's like a a lot of the the big injuries were just colliding inside with things in the ship.
0: Yeah.
1: It's horrifying.
0: So let's get into the inquiry that happened afterwards. A commission of inquiry began just weeks after the disaster. It was presided over by the British jurist Lord Mercy, who had also been the magistrate at a similar hearing for the Titanic.
1: Lord Mercy. Yeah. With an S. Presumably a God-fearing Catholic,
0: right? Catholic? No, this is a British guy. <laughs> Sorry. He's Protestant. Are you kidding? Lord Mercy. Church of England. Yeah,
1: okay, okay. You're right, you're right, you're right. You're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> you're right.
0: <laughs> the commission's report blamed Toft Tennis, who was the first officer of the Storstad, for changing course and also for not calling Captain Anderson to the bridge when the fog obscured the location of the Empress. In response, Captain Anderson was quoted as saying that Lord Mercy was a fool. Mm. I mean, yeah. Uh, however, a Norwegian commission instead blamed Kendall for not passing the Storstad port-to-port. So, I mean, it's just like a weird... Who asked the, them? The Norwegian... Well, I mean... I think the Storstad was a,
2: a Norwegian ship. Oh.
0: Yeah. It said it was owned by <laughs> Canada early in the script, but that name is certainly Yeah, Norwegian. Storstad. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, the, basically the the Norwegian people are saying it's the British fault. Or Canadian, I'm not Canadian's fault, I guess. Not their, not their fault. The British slash Canadians are saying it was the Norwegians' fault. Mm-hmm. It
2: was a Norwegian. It was owned by Nor- Norway. So yeah.
0: Okay, got it. That's okay. how they
1: got it. That off. makes sense. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Norway. And they sided with their guy.
2: Yes. <laughs> little home cooking, we call little home refereeing.
0: Yeah. So the sinking of the Empress of Ireland is considered Canada's worst maritime disaster and one of the worst in all of nautical history. I'm assuming the explosion does not count as a maritime disaster here.
2: I feel like they classified that a little bit differently from the Halifax explosion. Yeah, It yeah. could
0: also be a wartime thing. You know, who knows how they're classifying wartime, it. Wartime, a lot of but, yeah. Yeah. casualties on land. It, it's Yeah, yeah.
1: I think the lines get a little blurry, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Its sinking brought about design changes to longitudinal bulkheads, considering that their manual operation requirement contributed to the sinking. Changes were also made to ship's bows, bringing the pointed stem of the bow up to the main deck instead of below the waterline where it had been previously. Yeah, they were kind of like Greek man of wars <laughs> Like, yes. whether or not it was intentional, they were basically built like the perfect battery ram rams. to take out yeah, another exactly. ship. Yeah. Today, the Empress remains under the St. Lawrence River about 130 feet down. While its death toll was comparable to the Titanic's, the Empress was quickly forgotten by much of the world, probably due to World War One starting just months later in 1914. Something about a river that is 130 feet deep really spooks me. That is rather deep, isn't it? For a river. Uh, yeah. uh, I mean, granted, s- this is like the mouth of the ocean as well, but...
1: My sense of scale is so thrown off mm-hmm. in that that seemed less deep to me. But yeah, we are talking about the mouth of a river. Yeah. That is, I mean, I was looking. It really opens up, yeah, pretty drastically and pretty quickly.
2: Mm-hmm. Rivers are scarier too to me than oceans because rivers, I think, are like snakes and mud <laughs> and snapping turtles and stuff. Yeah, and it's, it's just you thinking right of up southern rivers, big catfish. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yep, absolutely. Meanwhile, the storestead was repaired and sold to pay costs from lawsuits. It was sunk by a German U-boat in 1917 during World War One. So strange. Every single, like, I feel like 90% of the ships we covered, if they were repaired, were then sunk by a German U-boat. Yeah, they all had these epilogues. Like, every single one of them is sunk by a German U-boat <laughs> years later.
1: It's kind of insane how, how all-encompassing the destruction was at the hands of German
0: U-boats. I know. Like- <laughs> it almost makes it like, I've, I've looked at ships where it's famous shipwrecks and like half of the famous shipwrecks are, were sunk by German U-boats.
2: It's like they run this gauntlet, and if they make it through to the end, like the German U-boats are the last line of defense, and they just eat everything up. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Anyway, that's yeah. the Empress of Ireland. That's the Empress of Ireland. It is,
1: It is like, just all around sad for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> the, the fact that the store sad was fixed, which, yeah, like... It was messed up. It was just crushed on the front. Put back into service. Sank. It just.
0: We ever see like an bleep. F-150 that gets into an accident with like a Prius? Yes. And it's just like the Prius is annihilated. Obliterated. Yes. And then the F-150 has like a scratch on the bumper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that actually happened. Total aside. Um, we were I don't know. My dad was driving us somewhere when we were kids. We had like a truck thing. And then um, there was a Porsche behind us. And then a guy in a pickup who was drunk smashed into the Porsche, which then smashed into us. Yeah, but we oh. had like some SUV. So this Porsche is oh, annihilated. No. The guy was fine. Oh good. The Porsche is completely They're annihilated. <laughs> and then the the drunk driver's truck and our truck were like basically Pretty unharmed. Fine. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. there's just this yeah. destroyed Porsche in the middle. Oh my goodness. But yeah. Vehicles built
2: for
1: very different purposes. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, it's Ford Tough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Charlie, you got an honorable mention.
1: I do have an honorable mention, uh, which Oh, uh, Foghorn?
0: Uh, oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Ew! <laughs> that was how it sounds when it's distorted by water droplets. Sure. <laughs> Ew! So we're going to, we're going to stay in Pointe Au Pair uh, in that area for this one and talk about Holly Harvey Crippen, the homeopathic doctor uh, and also a famous murderer, alleged and convicted, um, who we touched upon earlier in this episode. So, give you a little this one's going to be a little bit more in depth but it's just such a wild story yeah Um,
2: this is a great choice for an honorable mention too. just like expanding oh
1: it's it's it just builds on on the world and the fact that kendall is part of it it's like we're better call stalling it because this did take place yeah a few years before the events uh, of the episode with the empress of ireland but so crippin Like I said, a homeopathic doctor. I think he got a degree somewhere in the U.S. His first wife died in a stroke. Her name was Charlotte. Oh, Uh, (laughs) I'm about a century late with the name. Mm, But um, anyway, after she died, he married a singer named Corinne Cora Turner. And they later moved to England and continued um, their what seemed to be a pretty unhappy marriage. Uh, They were both engaging in simultaneous affairs.
2: Oh, sure. It could be being poly. Don't judge.
1: It could it could be, but it, when you know how the story ends, <laughs> but it wasn't. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> when you uh, know what happens next, you can assume it wasn't great. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it
2: wasn't a throuple. No, <laughs> no.
1: Um, so uh, Crippen had taken a a young typist who worked for him, uh, Ethel Leneve, or Mm -hmm. Neve, as his mistress, in an official capacity, is the way it was talked about, which is extremely
0: funny. They announced it in the papers?
1: Yeah, so anyway, uh, after a party at their house in 1910, Cora, his wife, disappears. Oh. And Crippen claims, uh, when asked, that she'd actually died and been cremated in California. Okay. But also his mistress now has... Moved in with him and is wearing her jewelry and clothing. Oh. Uh, so onlookers are suspicious, and so uh, one of Turner's friends, the strong woman Volcana. Bro. What? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Who? Who? Was she in know, the circus? Maybe so. I mean, be. she has. There's photos of her. You can look at the uh, photos of Volcana. I didn't include her real name just because this is brief and Volcana. We'll why would you not use that name yeah uh, anyway she was like someone should look into this that doesn't sound right and so Crippen was further investigated and then when he was pressed by an inspector uh, by the name of Dew who comes back later Crippen changes his story and claimed that actually his wife was still alive but that she oh. had left him and in his embarrassment he had claimed that she had passed what he would rather say that she had died than deal with the social embarrassment of being left by his wife. Okay. I guess. And here's where it gets really wild. The inspector buys the story. Well, yeah, I mean, that's... (laughs) I guess that's not that wild. Yeah. Just the ineptitude of law enforcement on display, even 100 years ago in England, uh, Scotland Yard's finest. Anyway, Inspector Doo buys this story, but Crippen didn't know that. And had all okay. and and took his young mistress and hightails it to Canada. Sure, because he's like, there's no way that this guy is gonna buy this, even though he had. And so he he takes Lenev on the SS Montrose, a Canadian Pacific liner, the same company that owned and operated the Empress of Ireland, and the ship, as we know, was captained by Henry George Kendall. Uh, this is about four years before the sinking of the Empress, though. Mm. So Crippen's abrupt exit it spurs even further searches of his house because right, <laughs> they yeah. bought his story, but he's just like, we have to go now. We have to go now. And on the third and final search, they find a human torso. Oh. Underneath. Oh. On the third search? On the third search. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. Once again, Scotland Yard's finest. They find a human torso underneath like the floorboards. It was like under brick. It was like, it was down there. Yeah. It must've been a pretty thorough third search. Uh, and this was found and identified as belonging to Corinne Cora Turner. Yeah.
2: Oh, if he hadn't freaked out and left, they he, would would never been, he would have He would have gotten out scot free.
1: Comedy yes. of errors. Yes. And so, they become known fugitives. And who knows of these fugitives? Captain Kendall, who's captaining the SS Montrose, which Crippen <laughs> now is aboard, and yeah. with him is Lenev. Who is dressed as a young boy? Um, with okay. you know, she has a mustache and I think a beard. There was like a, <laughs> oh a quote. it was a little bit hard to tell, but they ha- he had disguised his mistress uh, as a young man you know, to come a- with him to Canada. And there's like a quote of Kendall being like, "I mean, it was it wasn't convincing."
0: No, I can't imagine a 1900 fake beard being convinced. They didn't have like what is it, spirit gum or whatever, like. This is not a, like a Hollywood fake beard. This is <laughs> like the Santa Claus costume you can buy it. Yeah, charcoal. Target or yeah. Paste
2: it on her face. I I'm impressed with Kendall though here because what did he have to go by to to recognize these people? I'm assuming like a drawing
0: Yeah, maybe?
2: I, I don't, a don't know, a description? Like this dude like I mean maybe really there were photos
1: had, out there, but like they they could have had photos. Photo- of that, There's but. plenty of photos of of Crippen. Uh, yeah. Around oh, okay. they've okay. been they've All been right. maintained. Um, what's interesting? This is actually one of the first. In- so he he like you know contacts the authorities right from the ship while they're in transit. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is I think the first or at least one of the first instances of wireless radio communication being used to bring uh, someone to justice. Oh oh yeah. So uh, Captain Kendall. I mean, pretty pretty interesting figure. No wonder he was pretty famous. Uh, once, once, boy captain of of the yeah. Canadian Pacific Line, <laughs> um, but anyway, the ship arrives in Pointe au and Inspector Dew, who had been duped uh, mm-hmm. not so long ago, boarded the ship in disguise as a pilot, and then approached Crippen, and then it, it basically Crippen folded immediately. He 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 very willingly gave into arrest. He was like, thank. God, that's over. He was Woo! like, the suspense was killing me. Mm-hmm. And he was tried and convicted in four days and then was eventually hanged. Yeah. Yeah. That's... So that's, I mean, this that this all happened right around, it. you know, where the Empress sank four years later. So a really wild, like, it's like Fargo. It's like, you just take this small slice of, yes! of an area and just the most insane things pass through it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, we don't have time to get into it on this show, our humble little shipwreck show. But there's a lot of, like, conspiracy now. There's a question as to the validity of whether that was his dead wife's body. Some were saying he was performing abortions at the house and that that may have been the torso
0: of uh, of a, a woman who a died, woman who died
1: the, yeah. during the procedure. And it's like there's oh. a lot of questions of, like, Was the trial rushed? Was he given his
0: his his fair
1: shake? It's up in the air. In four days, probably. Yeah. There's there's a lot of um, you know, there's stuff about like people have done tests on samples from the torso, and it's like Mm -hmm. it's been so long, and they're not great samples, so no one's really sure. I don't know if you're interested and you want to know more. The story has been told and retold in various forms of media.
0: I just want to say. I'm looking at this, and Crippen worked for a thing called Dr. Munyon's, which was a homeopathic pharmaceutical company. This is, I think, prior to...
1: This is in New York, I think.
0: Yeah, prior to moving to the UK and losing his whatever fake medical license <laughs> that he had. But that was founded by James M. Munyon, who is uh, famous for Dr. Munyon's paw paw elixir, <laughs> which, which was papaya juice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> did he sell it on the back of a wagon uh, <laughs> He must have.
0: i don't know but the philadelphia times did say that professor munyan is to medicine what professor edison is to electricity
1: <laughs> no wonder the, <laughs>
0: no wonder the inquirer won out <laughs> he also he also established in philadelphia <laughs> thank you uh a industrial school for fatherless girls
2: Oh, that's good.
1: Okay. Yeah. It's
2: it's just very specific. Yeah. There was a, there was a, he taught them specific dances. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Probably not far off. The Munyan
1: Shuffle.
2: Yeah. My theory, my theory with Crippen is what if his wife Turner really did live and she just left him and like, she could have come forward to save him, but she's like, nah. He yeah. was kind of a jerk yeah. and just watched the
1: four day trial, yes. just like while drinking a Mai Tai on the beach. Mm-hmm. She was also in disguise on the on the ship. I just love that this story of a murderer being apprehended in 1910 involves two disguises.
0: I know. Yeah, <laughs>
1: it's just so much subterfuge. Yeah. And the fact that he was like, um, she's not dead. Actually, she left me. And the inspector goes like, sounds good yes yes (laughs) (laughs) anyway that's that's today's lengthy uh, more so than usual honorable mention yeah Uh, we have been Ship Hits the Fan and we thank you greatly for your time
0: yeah yeah Uh, may your bones bleach in these sands bye bye bye